Hi, folks. It's Yannick Guzdala. It's the Yannick Guzdala podcast. We are talking about carry-ons for musicians, carry-ons for touring musicians in this episode. What a concept that we actually have a theme and we're getting to it from the get-go. Laid out in front of me on the desk here are a bunch of things that I, you know, they, they, they move around slightly. They change slightly here and there when I'm traveling, but they're basically the pool of things I draw from when I'm leaving the house to be a professional musician, to go on the road and to try and travel as lightly and as comfortably, but still as, uh, still, still with as much function as I possibly can. And a few things might surprise you. And I'm also going to look at a couple of things that I've used in the past and, they, they look kind of, I'm looking, literally looking off to the side of the camera right now at them and they look kind of alien to me already, but they do still retain some function and there are some situations that pop up where I go like, oh, that is actually the applicable thing now. Um, so let's go with, first of all, the bag that I'm using. My, this is my main thing. This is what I've stripped it down to as much as possible, much in line with getting rid of all the bases and trying to make things simple, simpler in my life and have a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a quieter life. I've done that with my traveling setup and I've found that with this, um, by the way, everything I'm going to mention in this video, uh, none of it, I don't think any of it was free uh, or maybe one pair of headphones was free. Maybe the this one, I'll, I'll, I'll mention that uh, when we get to it. But everything else is something I have purchased. The, any links I leave, if I can find any of this stuff on Amazon and leave links, are not affiliate links, so I'm not making any money from it. And none of the stuff, yeah, apart from this one set of headphones that I'm going to show you today, was free. Um, so let's go. This thing is by Tom Tock, and it is the size of a, I think this is a 13-inch uh, laptop. It's just the old MacBook, MacBook Pro. Um, it's what I take on the roads. Basically, not really any good for doing anything else besides email anymore. Uh, earlier this year, I tried to like, edit podcast episodes on it. It was just taking forever, but it does, as you can see, fit really nicely in this TomTok um, carry-on bag, and it's super padded in there. So I feel good about throwing the throwing the laptop in the back and the amount of stuff. Um, not like I said, not like I said, like I said, not that it's a really needs to be a lot of stuff, but the the functionality of what this bag can do, freaking awesome. Um, always have some masks on the go. Actually, not so much related to COVID nineteen anymore, but more about if I get sick um, or if I'm around someone else who's sick on the road, I have have a bunch of these in the back of the in the back of the bag. I can do the do the right thing and 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 try and save anyone else especially if you're traveling in a van or you close proximity on a plane and you're sick you don't want to be getting anyone else sick so i always have a bunch of those in there a couple of little things that i still take on the road despite the fact that everything is wireless these days i still take uh, a moderately old school set of headphones because they don't take up too much space with the lightning adapter the little apple uh iphone ones and i even take the ones with the eighth inch on it as well. I know you can have all these adapters and dongles and all that stuff. I just prefer just grabbing this and not, you know, really not fucking around with that little middle piece of piece of crap that is way easier to lose than the actual set of headphones themselves. So I have two sets of Apple headphones, one with the um, eighth inch, one with the lightning converter. And of course I have my AirPods. One quick note about that. I was in Italy in the fall of last year and we played in, uh, we were in Milan, and I left my AirPods in the hotel. And they look like that. They're the standard AirPods, whatever they are. The new ones 
um, but they're in this white box, this white case. And what colour is every set of bed sheets, basically, in every hotel in the world, they're white. So they're really easy to put down when you're in the final stages of packing up. It's the only time I've done it, and it's an expensive mistake to make, but I did. I left it on the bed, did the idiot check of the room before I left, and didn't see that I'd left them. They're sitting in the white case. So now anyone watching on uh, on YouTube, watching the podcast, you'll see that my wife very kindly, because I was distraught about this, these things are my life. My life revolves around these headphones. They allow me to do so much work on music uh, on the move and on the go when I'm doing a bunch of other stuff. So my wife very kindly, right around my birthday, got me a new pair of AirPods and got me this kind of lime green case. Basically a case, it's not the it's not the prettiest color, although it has this nice little rose gold inlay, which is the color of our wedding rings. I think that's why, uh, I think that's why she got it like that. Um, Basically, it really sticks out on a white bed sheet. And lo and behold, I've been on the road a ton since last October or whenever I lost them. And this, I I see it everywhere. Um, So that's little little tip, I guess, for trying not to lose stuff that is super easy to lose, like AirPods. So that's that's part of my headphone setup. Now, sometimes I'll go a little bit uh, extra, a little bit extravagant, and I'll take it like over the ear set of Sony's noise cancelling. That's that's pretty rare. It, it Maybe like if I'm in a really nice sprinter van or there's a tour bus or something, some space where I know I can sort of put that and I don't have to, I'm not on the move all the time. And one thing, maybe not necessarily uh, that, that goes in my hand luggage, but something I kind of associate with the whole kind of moving around being a musician on a plane and functionality are these, and these were free. Uh, Boss did send me these. Um, so those are the only things that could be considered. Uh, they didn't send them to me to talk about them or make a video on them, but I do use them. Um, and they're the boss, what are they called? The Waza Air Bass. Is that what they're called? Um, see, I don't even know the right name of them, but I, and I really thought they were going to be gimmicky and I didn't want to like them and I ended up absolutely loving them. And because they come with this Bluetooth situation that you can plug into the base, practicing in the hotel room, like the mobile setup uh, has never been easier. So these, even though I do throw them in a case and throw them in my check luggage because I'm not using them every single day or I don't use them on the plane, for instance, they will sneak into my hand luggage from time to time just because I know I want to arrive somewhere and practice right away. So um, I do actually recommend these, even though I'm not being paid to do so. They have really helped me kind of stay in musical and, and technical shape on the road when I need it, make it a little bit easier to practice. Um, so yeah, so those are the kind of the very basics. And in the front pocket of this TomTok, I've always got uh, at least two or three hard drives right now because I haven't been home that long and I haven't really unpacked or done any editing. These are my two SSD drives, uh, I think a four terabyte and a two terabyte, if I'm not mistaken, Samsung SSD drives, really useful for for editing, uh, makes things super fast. And now they, they, you're getting capacity for not millions of dollars. So they, they actually work a little bit as storage on the road, although I'm still using um, like one of those uh, Western Digital five terabyte external drives. I throw one of them in there as well. I back up all the shows from the GoPro uh, and any audio that I record goes to that. So all of that, 
um, is in there. Plus, of course, the power supply for the laptop. One thing that's not in there that I'm going to show you right now, something, it's a little bit old school. I am in that sense, um, not young and slightly old school. And I like having a wallet. And plus when I move around and when I'm on tour, I, I need somewhere to stick my passports. And yeah, that's passports with an S that's plural. I do have multiple passports. Not only do I have multiple, um, uh, uh, nationalities now and multiple citizenships, but the, the touring advice here for anyone who is, who is going international and needs visas and, you know, needs really needs to move around the world on, on kind of a regular basis. Now that we're going back to touring is to get a second passport. Even if you don't have dual citizenship is to get a second passport. Um, if your country allows it, which I know a lot do in the country that you're in, I know in the U S I'm a U.S. citizen, UK citizen. I know you can get a second U S passport, which I have and a second UK passport, which I have. And the reason I do that is because sometimes, um, and of course it's not, I'm not Mr. Nine Months on the Road anymore. This would have been actually way more useful 10 years ago. I wish I'd done it earlier. But so many times over the course of my career, so I think I just shook the camera like crazy there. So many times over the course of my career, I've been going to very different places with different people, but quite close together. And in countries that need visas like Russia and China and Japan and Australia and all these places... And you've got one promoter or one management company of an artist well, like begging for your passport. Like, we've got to send this in. We've got to get the visa for this tour. But while that visa is being stamped in the passport, you've actually got to be on the road somewhere else. So not only is it good to be able to split that between multiple embassies. And again, I know this is uh, going to be quite an, a niche um, piece of advice for people. I know not everyone is on the move internationally all the time. Um, but hopefully throughout this episode, we're going to cover stuff that is useful for kind of pretty much everyone hopefully i've done i hopefully i've made enough mistakes and been through enough shit in the last 25 plus years to uh be able to offer some advice to everyone but um yeah the multiple passport thing is is super key when you're moving around and when you really are traveling internationally on a, on a regular basis which i have done extensively and still continue to do i still have china and hong kong coming up this year um of course we're going to uh, argentina in a few weeks there's there's a lot going on a lot of moving parts and even more so next year uh probably more china and japan and uh, yeah, definitely places that I need. Even I was going to say, even I need visas for. Even with um, an American and a UK passport, which are pretty sought after passports in terms of their visa-free travel. A lot of countries, you you not you don't necessarily need the visa, but you need a work permit to be there. That's more what it's all about, rather not not the ability to enter the country and stay for a few days, but really to legally work there. So that is is something. Um, you know, I like this kind of wallet thing, this zippable wallet. It also gives me the opportunity, and this is hugely important across all the luggage and the bases and the pedal board and everything. Um, it also gives me the opportunity to throw an Apple AirTag into the right next to the most precious things, uh, the, the things that I can't finish a tour without, can't continue or finish a tour without, which is internationally, obviously, the passport. Like you, I can basically lose everything else, my clothes, my money, my instrument, my pedals, everything, and still finish the tour somehow. But if I don't have the passport, I can't even get to the next country. So I always have an Apple AirTag um, in the wallet. There's one in the wallet. There's one in the carry-on in case they get separated. Uh, there's one in the pedal board. There's one in the base. And there's one in the check luggage. Basically, any 
piece of any, anything that's important to me that I have on the road, I have an Apple AirTag in it and I'm tracking them. And more often than not, it's about, you know, the little alert that will go on the Apple Watch, for instance, when you're away from it. I always have those alerts turned on when I'm on the road. So it can get a bit of a pain in the ass because every time you get on a plane, you are separated from your luggage and the phone's going, the, 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 um, the watch is going, you know, pedal board left behind, luggage left behind, Yannick, blah, 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 left behind. But when you're walking around or you're leaving a hotel and you're like, oh, you're 10 minutes into the drive to the airport and suddenly, bzz, 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 and your, your watch is telling you, oh, by the way, you left you know, your wallet or something at a hotel. That is seriously useful. That's a piece of technology that I'm, I'm a massive fan of. And it's kind of saved my ass a few times as well. And actually more often than that, and most commonly what it is, is about peace of mind to see, did your bags make it on the plane? Are they, when you land, are they in the same place as you? If not, how far away are they? There's so much you can get done if you act fast. Um, if I know that when I land and I, I get service to my phone, uh, you know, the first few seconds that I land on the tarmac somewhere and I can check where my bags are, if I see that they're in a previous airport, I can immediately get on the phone with the airline and start making things happen. Start making inquiries, you know, red flag it and say, hey, you know, what, what's going on? My bags are here. I really need them there. What can we do? What's the schedule? And then within the space of five or 10 minutes, I can have that information and be, uh, um, you know, be have a little bit more peace of mind um, when it when it comes to knowing where my stuff is. Even if I know they're not going to make the gig or they're not even going to make that city, and I'm going to connect with them somewhere else, it's really useful to be able to plan for like, hey, do I need to buy clothes for a week, or is it, or is it just until tomorrow? Can I go to H and M in Munich and like get a t-shirt and a pair of pants and you know look rough, you know vaguely presentable for the gig you know get some toothpaste and a toothbrush at the front desk and be okay or am i planning for a week and when you know that it just makes things run a little bit more smoothly on the road and the more proactive i can be the better with that um, i'm actually working on a video still in production this video for for the flight case thing and the traveling with the instrument that's that's going to be kind of a banger i think i think that's going to open a lot of uh maybe a lot of eyes it's going to cause maybe a little bit of controversy in in terms of everyone's really different in what they do and what their needs are and how they travel but i'm putting a lot of work into it it's taking some weeks so far to get together um but i am working on that and the only reason i say that is related to travel and making some of these travel videos for the main channel i want to talk about the whole airline thing and status i talk about it a little bit in podcasts and in interviews and just drop bits of information here and there but i want to make a really comprehensive video when it comes to how that works specifically for musicians and that doesn't have to be specific to bass players or even jazz musicians that can be um, specific to the music world across the board um and I have a lot of information that I've gathered over the years to share with you all. So I'm kind of, that is starting to take shape as well. I'm sort of writing bullet points and scripting a few things and getting visuals together for that while I finish off the traveling with the instrument video. So in, in the next month or so, there'll be a lot of information about, uh, about all of this stuff um, and kind of how it all ties together, how I make it all tied together, how it all ties together for me and how I make it work in the most efficient way. So, um, before we get to a few more, I have a few more items here that I want to show you, uh, some very new in the last few weeks, some really quite old. Um, but before I do, I want to just remind everyone the pre-sale is happening for the new album. We're going to Argentina in less, I have the countdown widget in my phone. Uh, let me check how many days it is as of the taping of this 
this podcast. Look at that. In 18 days, see that it says 18 there. Will it refocus? Probably not. 18 days. Uh, we're out of here. August 3rd, I'm leaving. And uh, heading down to Argentina to make the new record. The pre-sale is happening. It's linked below in the description of this video or in the show notes if you're just listening to the podcast. And uh, yeah, it, it, the, the excitement is ramping up more and more and more. I'm writing more tunes. Um, I've got more demos to send off to the guys. Uh, it's it's taking on many new life forms and shapes that I couldn't even have imagined even just two or three weeks ago. Now I get deeper into the writing and really think about the bigger picture of the music. So that's all happening now. Uh, like I've said a few times before, for the first time ever, we're including playalongs and the music and, and the songbook for the album that is available included in the package for people who get involved in the pre-sale only before the album comes out um, also the three bonus tracks we're recording three extra songs again only for people uh involved in the pre-sale uh, and those those three songs will never see the light of day to the public they'll never go on spotify or itunes or any of the streaming services that will be unique to any of you who are involved in the in the pre-sale so that's linked wherever there are links just wanted to make sure i remind you of that because not only do i have to ramp up the the writing and the production and the logistics and we just rented a house to stay in and like all the little bits and pieces the really important things about moving people all over the world from new york from los angeles from london all the way to buenos aires housing them feeding them taking care of them respecting them giving our ourselves as a group the best opportunity for success with the recording all of those things require a lot of work and then of course there's all the writing and of course at some, along the way i have to keep promoting it as well so I hope I don't sound like too much of a broken record in that sense as YouTube, the podcast, my, my blog are the, are the main outlets for promotion and for letting people know what's going on in my life musically and professionally. And um, if you're not signed up to the mailing list, that's completely free. That's also linked everywhere. There are links, yannickwasdala.substack.com. Um, that's where I'm sharing demos and all kinds of things. Plus this song a day thing. I should do a podcast on that and sort of recap. We're like 70 days into this song a day journey. It's been amazing. We've had like, I think this week is like Woody Shaw and Winter Marsalis with Hobie Hancock and then Sting and uh, the Anthony Pye. It's, it's an amazing, eclectic collection of live bootlegs. So go check that out if you haven't already. It might kickstart your your musical day uh by checking that out every morning anyway back to uh let's shut the promo down <laughs> and get back to the back to the bits and pieces um one thing that i know people are going to be like well you, what, what's with a wallet you know do you really need the the little the the holders on the side for like the old school boarding passes and stuff and it, for the most part, no. I like to do everything in the app. There are QR codes. I check in in the app. I check my bags, uh, my flight status, my boarding pass. Everything is normally in there in the phone. That's a, obviously another key part of the carry-on situation is the phone, sort of the the, the nerve center of, of everything on the road keeps moving with the phone. Um, but this most recent trip, I went to London, my best friend's uh, 50th surprise party, and just I just went there literally for like 15 hours. And it was quite a unique trip for me. I've never been to London, of all places, my hometown, my, my home airport, London Heathrow, and seen on the ticket, Connection. I was there for such a short amount of time, it didn't even say destination or departure airport. It said Connection. So it was basically one long uh, itinerary um, for two and a half days. Um, but anyway, the, the long story long here, 
I did actually need some paper ticket uh, action and a place to hold it and for it to be kind of, you know, accessible and not stuffed in a coat pocket or falling out of the back pocket of my jeans or something. I got the the Bigfoot, the Yeti, the Loch Ness monster of upgrades coming back. The one that you rarely ever, rarely ever experience. And it's only been a very few times in my life where it happens this late in the day. And I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about upgrades and the way I fly and how I normally fly business or first class, you know, really 95 plus percent of the time. Um, but coming back, it was such a crazy trip and not too short notice, but short notice enough for me not to be able to run through my normal routine of scouring the, I think it was more that I couldn't scour the routes that I wanted that I know are less busy and are more likely to be upgraded. And I just kind of had to deal with what I had to deal with. Um, basically I wasn't as flexible as I normally am on routing and lo and behold, I, I had business class from London to to uh, Washington, D.C. That was a connection um, I was making. But from D.C. to Denver, um, I did not, uh, I didn't have the upgrade. I was on the wait list. I was number one on the wait list and there was one seat open. I was like, oh, well, okay. But good chance that if uh, nobody else buys the flight or checks in or whatever, there's no other high status travelers on the flight. Looks Looks pretty good to get it. And then at the last minute, everything was upside down. Weather was crazy in DC and we couldn't take off to the West because of huge thunderstorms. And suddenly we're grounded. We get out on the tarmac. We go back to the gate. A couple of hours, like massive delays. We get up, they deplane us. We get off the plane. And while all this is going on, like, like stuff changes. It changes drastically when they're ready. People are moving to different flights. Sometimes that's a good thing. Say you're number four or five on the wait list and you get sent back to the gate after a delay maybe four or five first class customers get off and they get on another plane because they need to get somewhere and and that's their only option so suddenly there are seats open the exact opposite <laughs> happened i got back on the plane and still in a nice seat in in 7c with all the leg room in the world by the by the uh by the door the the you know the main door so it's just open space in front of you which is not a bad um it's not a bad coach seat to be to be in, but I'm sitting there. I'm like, I look at the list. I'm like, oh man, what happened? Suddenly, I'm like number four, and it looked like the the, the last names on the list. It was a family, so they were traveling together. But for whatever reason, we're talking like maybe thirty seconds before they close the door, and we are already three hours delayed. Somebody comes down, a gate agent comes down the the uh, the aisle. And said, Mr. Guzdala, and hands me the paper ticket. Hands me the paper ticket. So you've been upgraded. So that's like the the Loch Ness monster of upgrades. You're rarely sitting in coach and then get the nod to go up the pointy and grab your bag and actually go be treated like a human being for the flight. Um, so that that's something I'll talk about a little bit in the in the upgrading and the flying and how to how to work the system video that I'm working on. Um, but there are instances like that when especially when things are moving, when there are a lot of moving parts, when the schedule gets messed up and they're printing you boarding passes and this is working and that's not working. And it's not, or the app isn't always a hundred percent reliable. And it wasn't until like 25 minutes into the flight, I was on the Wi-Fi that I looked at the app and it was still showing me sitting in 7C, like it never updated. Um, and it was like 30, 40 minutes into the flight, it finally updated and, and changed. So Sometimes the app can be really behind when things get out of control and congested. So that's why I like to have the the pouch on the side of the wallet for a ton of ton of crap like that. Because throughout the course of the day, probably going to need it. Um, 
I also like to have a pen. I'm really kind of old school like that. Not that you even have to fill in customs forms or immigration forms anymore. It's all digital. I do like that. And then all the membership cards and stuff for various lounges and priority pass and travel credit cards and stuff that I just want really handy. Um, and this all, it, it, it fits perfectly. I found this on Amazon. I think it was only about 30, 40 bucks. It's leather. It feels nice. It's really solid. I've had it for, I don't know, almost a year now and it's been working really well and it sits perfectly in the top of that bag. So when that bag is sitting on my shoulder, all I got to do is undo that, that one little zipper and the wallet is right in the top like that. So this kind of, uh tetris my my situation together like that to where it works the most efficient um a couple of other things i'll have sort of close by sometimes um is a flashlight little mini flashlight right here pretty powerful little little fucker um and kind of cool on the other end where it's got either a flashing or a solid red light on the on off switch i dig that feature when you need to like signal to someone or when you need to be a little more discreet, flashlight is always really useful. Like, look, literally just for looking under the bed in the hotel to make sure you didn't drop something under it, let alone, like, you know, looking behind the amp or looking through the pedal board or just anywhere you need a burst of light, especially I'm not getting any younger. My eyesight is shockingly bad, even with these new glasses. So um, always need a little bit of help. That works fucking great. Uh, something I forgot on this last last trip to london uh was one of these bad boys the adapter uh the multi-plug with the usb actually a bunch of usb uh whatever they are the old ones and then only one usb type c on the side that's getting a little bit out of date now but essential and i forgot it and i was really only there for the for the few hours and only needed my cell phone charger so i got <clears throat> uk picked this up in the airport 12 bucks or something uk adapter with USB-C for uh for the cell phone to charge it up a little bit um but generally just one of these bad boys and i've had something like this for a really long time but not as fancy as this and i think it was one of those amazon prime day deals uh has a nice digital readout on it, it tells you where the battery's at it's a power brick um in uh iniu i-n-i-u fast charge power bank designed by iniu i forget the specs on it uh twenty-five thousand milliamps i think that's what it is it's really burningly fast um has this kind of cool pop out at the bottom so you can put your cell phone in it works as a stand if you're on the plane or wherever charging and it has most importantly usb type c which uh kind of everything is going to these days and I, I forget how many charges it will do of a laptop and an ipad and a phone it's unbelievably fast really just if you're moving around the world or around the country or wherever you are in the world one of these can be a bit of a lifesaver so that something like this is always traveling with me. You never know when you're going to get stranded or when you're going to have that eight hour van ride with no power outlets in it. And uh, that that can really save your sanity a little bit. Um, one thing, well, I guess one last thing for the carry on here. Mm. A little pause for the cause. <coughs> Excuse me. One last thing for the carry on and something not a lot of people, but <coughs> enough people to make me consider boring most of you with it. But um, but telling the people who asked to do a whole episode on this is 
my watches. I'm a big watch fan. Uh, that ignore the Apple Watch. This is just just for health reasons. The real watch is on the always on the other wrist, on the left wrist. And I do, you know, sometimes take a bunch of watches on a on a tour with me because I want to change it, uh, switch it up each night. And it's as much of a functionality thing as it is a fashion thing, I guess as well. So I have this roll by uh, Barton this little watch roll that lets me take one, two, three, four, five. I can take five watches in there. I'm not going to get them all out now, but um, that's basically how I roll around with a few watches to, to wear. And I've been doing it less and less these days just because it is, it's just yet another thing. It's another thing to carry. It's another thing that it does fit in the, in the Tom Tok carry-on, but it's a little bit bulky. And it means I'll sacrifice maybe a pair of bigger headphones. Or I'll definitely sacrifice something to take the watches. So I've kind of just been going with the one uh, on the road. But who knows? Um, that 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 kind of comes and goes. And I know a few people uh, over the p- past weeks and months have asked me about the watches. And maybe I'll talk a little about, about them in a future episode. Maybe leave me a comment if you were one of those people or 10 or 20 of those people. You know, if we get the numbers up then I'll consider it worth doing. And uh, I love watches. I've always wanted to have a watch podcast and talk about them. I'm crazy about horology and design and functionality and history. And it's always been a a really, uh, really fascinating subject for me and um, could never afford one as a kid. And a little bit later in life here, I have a couple of relatively uh, low key, but you know, pieces that I like and bought a watch to wear at, at mine and Chelsea's wedding, which was, uh, was kind of super vintage and just beautiful. I, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm talking about all the watches now. I'm not going to do it, but if you want to hear about it, I'll do a quick episode, maybe a 30 minute episode one of these weeks and talk about the watches and uh, my whole thing being time and sound. Like I talk about time and sound all the time. Um, I think about that a lot when I'm, when I'm, when I'm thinking about watches and, uh, and how important time is on, on a lot of levels, not just playing in time, but the time we have and it being, you know, the most precious commodity I think a human being has, um, and something you can't buy and something, you know, is, uh, is finite, you know? Um, so a couple of things here that make it in and out of the orbit of carry-ons. Uh, like I mentioned this, I actually use this to go to London because I, I, something I never do is really carry clothes and a bunch of you know stuff that you need to go to a friend's party. I never carry that shit normally. It's all the stuff I've just shown you. It's very functional. It's very music specific, but I needed a couple of changes of clothes and I had a, you know, my pants and uh, jacket was like pressed. And so I did actually have a suit bag that I carried. This is like the most normal sort of uh, most normal looking person getting on a plane i think i've been in a really long time i had the old uh <clears throat> ted baker bag with the coat hanger in it so i could like keep the stuff nice and carry it on uh oh there's the coat hanger effect still in there uh of course once the party was done and i was heading home i just stuffed it all in the bag um and came home with one piece but this is an oakley i don't know what bag this is uh, I bought this, I remember when I bought this, I bought this in 2017 and it is still going incredibly strong. Again, Oakley, not a sponsor, but this thing just reminded me taking this trip last weekend, uh, how badass this bag is and how much I've used it. You'll see it in the vlogs like crazy. If you look at the vlogs from 2017, being on the last minute world tour, that was basically, that was basically my thing. Everything went in there. Um, cameras and glasses, just all the shit I've told you about but like times five uh so it got a bit heavier got a bit bulkier and 
doesn't always fit under the seat in front of you, that kind of thing. You can't always just be the last person on the plane. I guess that's another um, nice element of traveling with the TomTok is that's it. You know, you know, you guys know I'm the check the base under the plane guy. And this fits anywhere. As long as you're not in a bulkhead row, exit row, you can't have any kind of bag or anything in an exit row or the bulkhead when, uh, for takeoff and landing. So I always make sure I'm one bag. 2A or 2L, those are my favorite seats um, when possible. I stuff it under the seat in front of me. I can, I'm normally the very last person on the plane. Um, unless, I don't know, you know, unless it's like, uh, I actually quite like on the on the super long haul, like when I go to Argentina, for instance, I think the, I have a connection in Houston, but direct from Houston to Buenos Aires is like 10 and a half hours. I actually like getting on the plane and getting settled a little bit. Even starting a movie. Like if I board the plane first and start a movie i can be 25 30 minutes into a movie while they're still boarding and just sort of really relaxed and enjoy especially flying business i like to enjoy the most uh the hospitality shall we say the uh the adult adult sodas that they that they offer you before takeoff it's always a nice little touch and sort of sets me up for the routine for getting some sleep on the plane uh so i yeah but this is great. The TomTok is great for being able to be the last person on the plane, especially if you know you haven't got the upgrade and you're sitting in coach. You're like, I don't need to be on this fucking flying baked bean can for any for three seconds longer than I need to be. So I'll always be last in that case. Um, and then a little more extreme than the Oakley uh, as a carry-on, I have used <clears throat> the Pelican 1510. I think I've showed you guys this before. Uh, that's... That's what I use for my pedals. Now, I check this most of the time now because I don't want to be walking through the airport with gear. Um, and I will show you inside. See, there's an Apple AirTag sitting there. And I have the... This is like the carry-on lid uh, feature, function thing. You screw this into the top and it gives you... <coughs> one, two, three. It gives you five pockets. So it's more, it's more kind of geared towards being a carry-on, I guess, like for toothbrush and shaving gel whatever put your socks here and your underwear there i don't know um i use it well with the pedals so i can put like spare cables and and kind of accessories in there for the pedal board uh but when and i may do this going to argentina um in a few weeks when i'm traveling especially if i have to take two bases so that's two pieces of luggage out of my allowance of three that i have to check um plus my big rolling duffel with all my clothes and that kind of stuff in it. That's my three check bags gone. So I can and probably will this time around uh, use the use the Pelican as a carry-on with my pedals in it because it does fit in an overhead. It's a little bit heavy when it's full of pedals, but if you're cool <laughs> and um, you're in decent enough shape to pick the thing up and put it in and make it look like it's pretty light, you'll get away with it, no problem. And it's not crazy heavy. It's probably just a few pounds over an airline's basic allowance. I'm not putting like 90 pounds in the overhead that's going to fall out and kill someone. So I'm not trying to be a knucklehead, but it probably wouldn't pass the carry-on bag specifications in terms of weight in most places. But it's compact and it looks just like uh, another sort of rolly, you know, wheel aboard carry-on, the generic thing that you see everyone in the airport with. It looks enough like that to get away with it and not to be kind of, hey, where are you going with all that gear kind of question. Um, so there's that. There are other things that I could have shown you in here, but they're sort of not relevant visually that much. But I will mention them in terms of the way I've carried my pedals as carry on before. Um, I've, you know, I've taken 
uh, the mono, um, whatever it was. They sent me a really nice bag, a uh, pedal board bag. And I did take that on a tour in early when, or late 2019, something like that. And it just wrecked my shot. I put far too much in it. It was my fault. Really nice bag, fit on all the planes, but I put way too much weight in it for it to be functional because um, I was using the front pocket for my, my laptop. I was basically replacing the TomTok uh, with the front pocket. That, and it also had all the pedal board in it as well. It was just way too much. So I don't recommend that if you if you have a choice. Um, one little thing I'm a big fan of, and it seems kind of silly. It just depends whether you're nostalgic and you like uh, sort of um, uh, what is souvenirs from a tour. If I know I'm going on a tour where there are a bunch of shows where there are going to be posters, I love having that as artwork for the studio. <clears throat> You've probably seen all the Jojo Mayer Nerve posters um, from really big tour we did in 2007 long time ago now but i managed to bring them all home and uh and just yeah preserve them and put them in frames and that doesn't happen unless you have one of these of course you can grab one of these cardboard rolls on the road somewhere but if you have the foresight to take it with you um you don't have to uh, be worrying about that if you're so inclined to pick up posters and i have tons of them i, I just took this um when we were out with Steve Smith, Vital Information, managed to bring home a really nice one from uh, the Cleveland Jazz Festival. And it's rare when you're traveling as a sideman and they actually put the names of the band on the main festival poster. And it was really, it's a really nice touch. And they put Steve Smith, Vital Information featuring Yannick Guzdala and Manuel Valera. Plus there's Richard Boner and Herbie Hancock and Christian McBride. It was just Christian McBride, Christian McBride. Just a really uh, nice nice piece of artwork to hang in the studio, which I will at some point. It's already in the frame. So that's a nice... I, I throw that in. It's quite sturdy. I throw that in my duffel bag. It's not necessarily a carry-on carry <clears throat> piece of advice, but in the duffel bag, very good uh, and and works great for bringing stuff like that home. I'm, a, I'm an old softy when it comes to that stuff. Love bringing, uh, love bringing home posters and having them up in the studio and I can look around at like... 20 plus years of touring and uh sort of remember why i'm here why i'm doing it and continue to be motivated to uh to carry on um so yeah that's a whole bunch of information i know i, I know in the back of my mind i've forgotten something um there's always the thing of like am i going to the airport driving my own car parking is it just a short trip and i'm going to come back to the car so then there's a whole process for where i put my keys so i don't lose them like little stupid things like that i'm sure you all have your methods but this bag the tom talk thing has really it fucking sounds like an ad for this thing it really isn't i just grabbed it uh apropos of nothing <laughs> on amazon and it ended up working out um it is a single shoulder strap so i've try and like wear it diagonally across uh, across my body and switch shoulders as much as I can when I'm doing like long walks through the airport um, yeah there's like I mean you can get so nerdy with it as well like going into the whole like what jacket you take on the road like where are you going what time zones are you going to be in what what's the weather going to be like what season is it northern hemisphere southern hemisphere is your tour so long that you don't go home and you start in snow and end up in, you know, 100 degree weather somewhere? And I have done that before. I've started in like Norway wintertime and ended up in Australia summertime. I mean, just crazy uh, shifts and Indonesia, like equatorial stuff and you know, stuff you know, really humid and Malaysia, but also Russia. You know, I've really 
kind of extremes like that. So that's always a tough one. Um, how to travel on the tr- on the plane? Is it going to be freezing fucking cold, which it is often? Even when you're traveling in hot countries, you get on a plane and you're like, "Holy shit, I need a parka!" You know what what's going on? So that was probably a whole other nerdy episode of travel, like clothing kind of shit. I don't know. I'm now reminding myself that one tour, I I was like, "I'm going to wear a suit every night," and I got a suit bag and I have this amazing uh, like foldable. I think it's like a Calvin Klein. It was way too fucking fancy. Um, this like suit bag that's like a hanging wardrobe when you get there and it fits, I think, five suits. I mean, it's thick like this and it opens up and you hang it in the hotel and it's this whole thing and it opens out to the side and there's pockets for shoes and ties and all kinds of shit. And I decide, yeah, I'm going to wear suits and I'm going to take a shitload of shirts. I'm going to rotate the suits. It was like a two-week tour in Japan. And uh, boy, did I regret that. I've got some sharp photos from it, i got to say. But playing bass in a suit is a fucking pain in the ass anyway. So like, it's so restrictive with the jacket. Unless I had them like tailored specifically to be, I don't know, just like playing in a jacket doesn't feel right to me. So half the time the suit jacket was off. And it was just like, oh, dude is wearing smart pants and a, and a shirt. It was, wasn't like it kind of you miss the suit thing then. It's not like that upright bass thing or trumpet player leading an ensemble looking like it's like 1949 or something. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking, but I tried it. It's <laughs> another bit of experience I can share with you and say, unless you absolutely have to, unless you have someone on the road taking care of your suits, which is, I think, fairly rare. I don't think I'll be wrong in saying that uh it's probably way more trouble than it's worth so now i'm still it's still a consideration it's like what the fuck do especially as i'm the band leader most of the time now that i go on the road um with my own group it's like what do i take what do i want to wear like holy shit i look back on some tours and like you look kind of like you were coming home and being not having a house you know you really did look uh kind of down and out on some of those tours i wasn't (laughs) just ended up like that and some tours you're like, oh, that's way too much. You put way too much thought into that. So still all these years years later trying to strike a balance on that and just the amount of shit I take as well. Holy crap. That can get out of control um, in a real hurry. Uh, yeah. Oh, sh- I should have said this right at the beginning because last week's episode – I th- I talked about signature bases, and within twenty minutes of the episode going live, th- three or four people like sent me direct, like the people I know sent me like texts, like, uh, "Did you, uh, did you see the last two episodes of SBL podcast?" And I had not, and they were basically talking about signature instruments, and I have since gone back and listened to them, and. I think we talked about a couple of similar things. Actually, maybe we had some similar views. But also, I think we were, myself and Scott and Ian were actually, uh, had different kind of, in general, maybe different opinions uh, on on a lot of the stuff, it seemed. Um, Actually, by the time I listened to the two episodes where they were talking about it, I'd actually kind of forgotten what I'd said in mind. But a few of the things were like, oh, yes, totally agree with that. And a couple of things were like, oh, I wouldn't, I would do that differently. You know what I mean? Um, which is good. It's good to hear hear different opinions. And it also just good to hear like another take on it. And um, like Ian, I guess, had like it recently has a signature, but I forget the name of the company now as well. Fuck, that's really bad. But one of that episode was talking about the fact that he had 
worked with a company and, and made a signature base with his initial right that was it with his initials in the name rather than the name on the base i thought that was kind of a slick way of doing it put it putting it in the name rather than putting the name on the base and i yes and i had talked briefly about whether people wanted that's what i was going for in my podcast i was like whether people wanted that and i remember the patatucci thing had the name on it and i don't know whether billy sheehan's did but also i think i mentioned that billy sheehan's base was like super specific with the kind of weird fret thing and the stereo output and obviously works very well for him but might not be the most um useful thing to a super wide audience but then at the same time are you making a signature instrument for a super wide audience anyway or is it really more <clears throat> extra niche you know um so yeah all, all interesting stuff and then there were some there was some comments and feedback on the podcast from my episode from last week i'm sorry that i haven't been able to get to them it's been a hectic week and will continue to be so as i wind uh wind up production here and really get, try and find an, another gear to get into um with all this stuff going on yeah uh so yeah what that's probably a good place to end um and uh we'll yeah we'll be back next week with something not necessarily well give me the comments leave me the comments about watches or no watches i don't know is that just so is that just such a left turn from the from what we normally talk about with music that you guys are just like oh well we'll just skip this week because i don't know i don't have to do it and uh there's plenty plenty to talk about with music if enough people are against me talking about watches, I just happen to really like them. Um, but yeah, that's it. Let's uh, let's reconvene next week. I'm here for the next, I think, two or three. We'll, yeah, uh, at least the next two, right? Because we're 18 days until we go to go to Buenos Aires. And uh, yeah, links for the pre-sale are everywhere. There are links. Don't forget to check out the blog, daily blog, uh, Substack. Also links everywhere. There are links. And uh, catch you all on the next episode. Later. Mm-hmm.